and welcome to the sixth episode of the sixth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Roy O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. It is fantastic to see your beautiful face radiating through my laptop screen once again. How have you been, Banjo? You've been a busy man. You're away this weekend. Is that right? Yeah, I have been. It's, uh, you must have missed me. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten a compliment from you, Scott. Oh, desperately. Uh... Desperately. <laughs> fantastic to see you again. Yeah, I think you, I guess what this is what happens when I don't uh, respond to your message for about an hour. You get a bit, you know, antsy. Uh, no, it was a good weekend. Good weekend. I was going to uh, go to see a mate of ours, but uh, he got COVID, so that was ruled out. But other than that, it was excellent. So you specifically travelled interstate to visit a friend who got COVID. Is that what yeah, happened? Yeah, pretty much. What did well, you do? It... Did you just watch football? Or <laughs> no? So we were pivoting anyway because um, his parents were going up the same uh, weekend because it was a long weekend, obviously. And uh, so we, instead of staying the whole weekend with him, we were just going to have dinner with him on the Monday night. Uh, okay. But that uh, was then cancelled. So we we're going to be in the Gold Coast anyway. Uh, so we went to a theme park, which was good fun. Um, wow. Survived Dreamworld, uh, Dream World, unlike those people a few years ago. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> well, good. Well, how, how was it? Because I, I, so look, I obviously haven't been to any of those theme parks. Well, not obviously, but I haven't been to any <laughs> of those theme parks since I was very young. I did. I was in Queensland a couple of years ago, though, and like went past one on a train or mm. driving past or something. And it did shock me from the outside how like old and run down they actually look when you see them from the outside. Because when you're a kid, in your head, it's just the biggest, shiniest, most amazing thing in the world. When you're in there, is it is it neat and clean and exciting like it was when we were kids? It was neat and clean, yeah. It's not as exciting when you're an adult, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's probably something that's great fun to do again when you have children, I'd imagine you'd get sort of a vicarious enjoyment out of it. Look, there were some fun rides though. It's um, there is a lot of clearly for children stuff as well that, you know, isn't as interesting for an adult, but that was good fun. Went on a few roller coasters, which is what I was there for. Went on a, the giant drop thing, which uh, yeah, wouldn't yep. have been able to do a little while ago when I was more scared of heights, but yeah, it was good. Ah, well, that's exciting, Banjo. Yeah, it's it good to get fun. your review of the theme parks over on the Gold Coast. I presume you were also uh, watching some football to be able to give us some feedback on, on the podcast this week? Uh, to give you an indication of how much football I watched, I didn't even see the North game. Oh. So, um, so did you did you watch zero football? Did you watch a minute? Uh, so I got about a quarter here and there of some of the night games when I was okay. waiting for our dinner reservation okay. and for Courtney to get ready. Uh, and that was about it. So I saw Melbourne kick about 15 points in a row. Uh, yep. yep. That was then fun. I saw, <laughs> uh, what was the other game? I saw a bit of, oh, I don't even remember. And then I saw like a touch of Anzac day as we were moving. Hotels so, so what ready. you're telling me is I am carrying the podcast this week in a number of different ways, both in that I'm the only one who can actually talk reasonably about football. Yep. And also because I'm pretty sure I selected all four of our segments because you couldn't think of anything. No, uh, hold on, no. hold on, hold on. The last one you did think of. Okay. <laughs> uh, three, three quarters at least, but it took you a few hours to think of our last segment. So It took me the entire day. And it's not even a segment I'm happy with or proud of. So you're going <laughs> to no. take it anyway. <laughs> we'll be able to have a laugh at the end is all that segment's going to be. So yes. It, it's all me, this podcast, Banjo. And of course, if it's all me, you know how the podcast is going to begin. It's going to begin with my favourite segment. And, and to be honest, the world's favourite segment. It is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. Now, it is very important because we have a gap between when we do Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, that I always explain what it is for all of our listeners the uh, the title of the Seven Banjo, it comes from the film Happy Gilmore. And in that film, uh, Adam Sandler says, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? So the point of the segment is we talk about the most meaningless games of the round. And uh, we always give three, two, one votes what the meaningless ones are. Mm. I have a, uh, a fantastic objective formula, which I put all, everything into and it spits out what the most meaningless games of the round are, okay? Have you got some idea of what you think the, the votes are going to be this week, Banjo? Look, I'll, if I could guess, mm -hmm. should I guess? What, have a quick crack, just name three. Don't give me an order, see, name three, and I'll see if they, that's what it's been out as. The North game? 
Yes. Do Clash, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that your game. No, you're close. You're close. We didn't actually sneak in. Our game was, uh, you know, it was Anzac Eve. It was a big occasion. There's always a little bit of interest in Richmond going on, mm. and it was kind of interesting with the fact we kicked 22 points and all of that sort of stuff. It was, look, it wasn't a, it wasn't a particularly meaningful game, but it was just it happened to be the fourth less. Yeah, it might have been fourth or so. But let, let's go through it, Banjo. So we'll start off with one vote. One vote is in fact going to the Q Clash, which you suggested. Now, of, right. of course, the Q Clash gets a little bit of uh, occasion points because it is the. Uh, most fierce rivalry going around. I still think it should be called the Pineapple Grapple. (laughs) Yeah, it's not too bad. But look, the result was Brisbane beat the the Gold Coast by 52 points. Uh, Look, early on, Gold Coast were kind of in the game. They missed a lot, like Melbourne did. I kind of looked at the Mm. scores at half-time, and I was like, oh, it looks like Gold Coast are, are having a crack here, but they haven't been able to do it. And then in the second half, Brisbane just blew them away, as they probably should have done, being uh, the more experienced and the more superior team. Uh, Zach Bailey kicked six. Was it six? Five or six? I think he kicked six. Six, yeah. Yeah, which is quite interesting. Um, But look, there are a couple of teams who have just enough interest in them for Mm. for not to get the the three votes. But nonetheless, it was a game. Yeah, we know I love me some Gold Coast. Yes, you do. But look. It was, regardless, it was the sort of game in which I think in a week or two's time we'll forget that it ever happened. So it's very much belongs quite well in this segment. The second game yeah, was... Interestingly unexpected score. Okay. Uh, it was only supposed to be a two-goal margin. Right. Okay. Now, where did you get that stat from, Ben? Did you just get that then, or has that just been something which has been floating around? I saw it earlier on Twitter. It's uh, from the Herald Sun, who get it straight from Champion Data. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, it was twenty-one goals, six to eleven goals, fourteen. So that does make a fair mm. bit of sense. They, I don't think it was a game in which Gold Coast completely rolled over and weren't in the game at all. But it ended up being a fifty-two yeah. point margin. So pretty. And it blew out late, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. At, at halftime, I think it was some like four goals a difference or something, and they'd had a similar amount of scoring shots. Mm. So it looked like it had the chance to be quite a good contest. But the way the game just sort of developed, eventually Brisbane were just a bit too classy for them. Moving on to two As votes, Banjo. Yes, exactly. Two votes we are giving to. I've given it to Port Adelaide defeated West Coast by 84 points. Ooh, I knew this would be a controversy a bit, here. A, a little bit. But look, keep in mind, I do have an objective formula, and I absolutely put in that there is some <laughs> interest in the margin and how whopping the margin was. But, like, outside of that, like, I watched I mean, the start of this game. First win. Yeah, mate, but it was not that impressive. I, I what the first quarter was some of the grimmest football you'll ever watch. It was ugly as mm. like neither team looked like they were on the same page in any way. It was just a big scrap. Neither team seemed to be able to move it forward or really look likely to score. Pretty much after quarter time, Port Adelaide just started playing like a competent football team. I didn't think they were super impressive, <laughs> uh, but they just started playing okay, and West Coast continued to be an absolute mm. level. So it was a it was a very low standard sort of game. Um, there were there were a couple of five goal performances by uh, Todd Marshall and Jeremy Finlayson, which is a bit interesting. You're going to be very excited about how Connor Rosie's been playing in the midfield. Thank you. I did think Thank it you. was a bit of a front runner sort of performance from him, which is not unexpected. <laughs> he, he does like skiing downhill from time to time. It was uh, eight possessions more than his previous career high. I saw. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just you know I I, I thought it was just. A very average game of football. I was definitely wasn't blown away by thinking all of a sudden Port Adelaide are good. It was just an ugly game, which just developed as it went along. And yes, Port mm. Adelaide got their first win, good on them. But uh, I didn't think there was too much to draw out of that game personally. All right, Fair enough. No, no comments on that game. All right, we'll move on quickly into the three votes. A lot of complaints, Andrew. just not going to air them. Okay, well, the three-voter banjo, we can move on to it nice and quickly, and you'll be very, you'll have a big smile on your face because you're back where you belong, banjo. So three votes <laughs> we're getting to. Hold on, need to get the scores up. Geelong defeated North Melbourne by 60 points, an even 10-goal margin. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? The biggest letdown out of this game, banjo, has to be the fact that early in the last quarter... 
it was about 70 points the difference and it looked like mm. that we may be pushing towards an absolute thumping like an 100 point margin sort of thing and if that happened I thought it might when I was checking the scores yeah there may have been some interest if that did develop because that gets to the point in which <laughs> North are looking really grim and that there may be some sort of an interest in the game it didn't happen the game are you saying out. we're then, not looking really grim Oh, well, you're looking extra grim, but no one's going to mention the fact that you lost by 10 goals to Geelong. They're going to be like, okay, that's what we thought would happen. If it was yeah, up around true. the 100-point margin, it's, oh, gee, what, what happened to North Melbourne? So, ended up being a 10-goal margin. Very boring sort of game. Jeremy Cameron kicks seven. That's about the only thing the game had going for it to actually, as far as a story coming out of the game is going to be. So, you're back where you belong. Are you happy to be back uh, winning the votes, Banjo? I mean, the less we have to talk about North Melbourne, the better. So I guess so. Let's move on. All right. Well, let's do that. And what's our next segment? Well, uh, next segment, which was uh, wonderfully prepared by me, was uh, you're going to tell me what happened in the week for the important games. Because, as I said, I watched absolutely no football. So give me your hottest takeaways from the week. Yeah, I will say for this segment that we did this earlier in the year when I was away hiking for a weekend and I hadn't seen any football and we thought it would be funny for you to explain to me what happened in football. And it did end up being a bit of a disaster. So we're going to try to do it a little Mm -hmm. bit differently this time in which I'm just going to try to rattle through the... I've got five things written down, the five things I took out of the games which I watched. Because as I mentioned to you before, uh, we went on onto the podcast, I had a little bit of mild food poisoning, I think. So I did have a day and a half of just watching a lot of football. So I can bring some stuff to the table, Banjo. Just wait until you get covid You'll watch more football than you've ever watched in your life. Yeah, I haven't hadn't had that yet, but that will definitely be on the agenda for me. <laughs> the first thing to bring to the table, starting early in the round, Banjo, and you're going to be very happy about this one. I, I know Ooh. for a fact you're going to have a big smile on your face. Leon Cameron is cooked, Banjo, <laughs> is the first thing to uh, bring to the table. Yep. Did you manage, Did you catch any of Friday night? Were you on a flight then, or where where were you uh, at then? No, I was home. What was I doing? I don't remember watching much of it. I you may have out about packing but... or something like that. Yeah, uh, but it was such an ordinary game. Yeah, it was a it was a trial to watch that game. To watch GWS attempting to move the ball forward mm. uh, was really challenging. Which one is, of course, good sign for St Kilda that they were setting up well, but they just. Yeah. GWS just had no spark at all. Um, they were they were just boring. They were dour. They tried to get the game in the way which sometimes seems to work for them to make it a bit of a, a contest and a bit of a scrap. It worked for a short period through the second quarter where it seemed to be the sort of game that they wanted. But it just always felt at some stage St Kilda would get a few easy goals out the back and the game would just be dead. Um, and... To in the last quarter, St Kilda really started mm. to park the bus a little bit and to just defend. Uh, and GWS were trying desperately to get the ball forward, but they just had no system and no way of doing so. And it has to be said, I don't think the list is as ridiculously and super talented as you suggest, but there is still enough ability there, enough superstar it's power. So much that it better shouldn't than be like five. That. <laughs> like, yeah. At worst, they should be bottom of the top eight with the list they've got. Like, they do have genuine gun midfielders. And they've got star players on every line. Maybe not as with the key defenders and stuff like that with Davis or get being injured at the moment and uh, dropping off with age anyway. But Taylor's great. Key forwards are a bit shallow, even though they've got the greatest forward craft of all time in Jesse Hogan. <laughs> he was but, out this week. We'll, we'll, I know, we'll but remember that. when they were the orange tsunami and they were exciting and they yeah, just run waves through. It, was, like, it has to be said that it still gets mentioned. That was a long time ago. I now. know, it but is. that was a choice. They went away from that by yeah. choice because everyone yeah. thought they were soft because of it. And Leon Cameron has masculinity issues. Like it's just <laughs> they just decide they decided to become boring and dour, and it's cost them. I think at least one flag. Well, I mean, I just when you've got when you've got Lockie Whitfield using the ball out of half back, that is the first key to unlocking 
excellent ball movement, which we just never see from. And then their midfield, yeah, they've got a few players who are kind of the inside bulls. But, you know, you've got, I mean, Josh Kelly, I know how Mm. much you love him, but he does have superstar talent and he is quite a sexy footballer. Um, Mm. There is enough weapons there, which means they should be able to play some pretty thrilling football from time to time. The other thing which this game uh, unveiled for us was there was all this talk going in that GWS boring, add Toby Green to the mix and all of a sudden they'll be a very exciting team and all of a sudden they'll have this spark about them. Uh, Didn't work out like that. One player never makes that much difference. We have seen a few times Green coming in and making a pretty significant and sizable change to the team. But Yeah, there was that game against Melbourne where he single-handedly kept them in the game last year for three and a half quarters. Early in the year. But that can only happen once or twice a season, even if he's as good as he is. He's a superstar, but he's not changing the most dour team in mm. the competition into having a team with quite a lot of spark and excitement no. by one man. It just doesn't happen. So, yeah, he's in a lot of trouble, Leon Cameron. I struggle to see him lasting this year at the moment. I kind of think like he's a... given up. Like When you hear him be interviewed, he doesn't yeah. want to be there anymore. He does <laughs> seem a bit resigned to it, doesn't he? I don't... And we were getting similar vibes. Yeah, we got similar vibes out of Buckley last year in the early stages as mm. well, but he just seemed a bit resigned to it. So it could Reminds be Reminds me of Brad Scott too. Yeah. Towards the end. Like all those guys that haven't had the peak success and have been there for a decade. Mm. I think one, like, do you really want to have to try and rebuild that list anyway? Like, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. The second take that I have out of the weekend, Banjo, yeah. is that there are two teams who are drawing absolutely every ounce out of the ability which they have, out of the skill which they have. Adelaide and Hawthorne, yeah. really impressive what they're doing at the moment. Mm. I don't I don't come away from what I've seen over these six weeks thinking, oh, I was wrong about their list. They've got a lot of talent there. I don't yeah. think they have much. Adelaide are hard as guts. They bring it every week. They just their their effort plus in what they bring to the table. Hawthorne, there's a little bit of that as well. But to be honest, the main thing that they're getting is they're getting terrific ball movement and trick transition out of their back yeah. half. They seem to be well coached in the early days. By yeah, Sam that's Mitchell. annoying. It is a little bit annoying. I thought it was going to happen, to be honest. Yeah. But, but you um, can't complain about anything being annoying. It's annoying for me. Yeah, okay. But though, like those two teams are drawing every ounce of mm. what they can out of the talent they have at their disposal. Yeah, I think that's a that's a sort of season long takeaway as much as this week. They both had pretty good performances, although I can't believe looking at the worm at the Sydney Hawthorne game is just bizarre. But uh, for Adelaide especially, that was yeah. a cracking win down in Ballarat. Yeah, huge win. And look, I know you're going to have a bit of a chuckle here because he is one of my boys, but I do think that Ben Keys does sum up the what they are doing and bringing to the yeah. table he is i mean he's effort personified that guy he's not a yeah. he's not a skillful player but when you watch him play he is so hard at the ball he spreads like like he's crazy how hard he runs he just puts a hundred percent effort into every second he is out on that field and a lot of the adelaide midfielders are doing that at the moment and um yeah their, their effort is just terrific he might work harder than took miller like genuinely, he they would be incredible. In my mind, they would be the runner. two in my mind at the moment who are the hardest workers in the competition. Yeah. And there's a difference between doing it as a wingman and doing it as an inside midfielder, which Miller and Keys are. I just, I do have a lot of respect for him. I give you shit about him because you talk about him too much because he's in your fantasy <laughs> team. But I've been very impressed by him, like his ability to rack up. Like he was a delisted free agent. Like we give Brisbane yeah. so much praise about. Jared Lyons. I mean, they let one go in keys. Um, they're, yeah. they're not short on midfielders, but still, it must be hard looking at it. He's leading the AFL.com Brownlow predictor at the moment, so he yeah, could be a he could, could be an interesting think, Brownlow winner. <laughs> I don't think he's a chance to win the Brownlow, but I, I just love what he's bringing to the table. And well, yeah, Hawthorne. I, I didn't watch that game as closely as some other ones, but. I did sort of follow it and watch little bits and pieces of it. Mm. And for a lot of the game, it looked like they were every chance to win it. And I was thinking, are Hawthorne really good? Have I just completely missed something here? In the end, Sydney were a little bit 
too good for them. But yeah. they're, they're keeping themselves in games on the scoreboard because they've been very efficient, very clinical. Um, they're transitioning the ball terrifically well. And their midfielder, they generally start well and their midfielder just doing enough to, to keep them in game. Yeah. So they, they're getting everything out of their list. So pat on yeah. the back for those two The teams. only thing with Hawthorne is they did lose by, there was a 70-point turnaround after halfway through the first quarter. So they've yeah, been, but- they have been... Like they lost by seventy to St Kilda as well, so they do have a capacity to just get blown out. Yeah, it was mostly the, the last quarter. Sydney yeah. did a bit to sort of to, to bring it back after the hot start from Hawthorne, and then it was a bit of a scrap, and it felt mm. like Hawthorne were keeping it. And then the last quarter, the floodgates opened. That yeah. that's when it happened, which will happen from time to time with a young team. But they're getting a lot mm. out of their list. Third one, Banjo, and I did send you a message about this at one point. Frio are properly good. I know I know. we discussed it last week. They were part of our Do You Believe segment and we were both mm-hmm. of the view that they are looking like quite a good team. But I was super impressed by their performance on Saturday night. The, the primary reason being is that it was quite a high-quality game of footy. I don't think Carlton were terrible by any means. Obviously, they, they could have been better, but they had patches in the game where their midfield looked like, as it has at points throughout the year, looked really dangerous. Cripps had patches in the game where he felt like he was just trying to lift the team up on his shoulders and kept we them in it. had 30 and 3, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. They, they, they kicked a lot of, like, big goals at important times. Carlton, mm. when he felt like, ah, they seem to be coming here. They had a lot of cracks at them. But when it came down to it, Fremantle were just so well organised that it just seemed so much harder for Carlton to generate a score. They needed to make multiple efforts at it because getting the ball forward was a bit of a trial. And it didn't feel like that's because for want of trying, it just felt like they were up against a team who were really well organised, were setting up really well. And on the counter, um, Fremantle were sort of terrific to finish off and they just seemed to respond at every opportunity. They they were challenged on a number of occasions and what good teams do is they respond. And um, that's been a real sign with all the Fremantle's games this year. So I'm starting to think there's some real substance there. So it sounds to me like you think they've got a similar formula to Melbourne where it's built off the back of an incredibly well-organized defense and they're just willing to absorb absolutely everything someone throws at you and then get you going the other way. Yeah, they've got elements of it. They're a bit more controlled in terms of their ball use when they transition. Yeah. We have a bit more of that, what people would say was the Richmond of old style of sort mm. of a bit more surge football. Um, they do hold on to the ball. They have quite a few sort of uncontested marks. But you're right yeah. in the sense that they're very good, very good defensively. Um, and that's where they're basing their game off. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty excited about Frio, and that that was the most impressed I've been watching them. I think they're a properly properly good football team. Mm, this is football utopia for you, exactly, well, and it, and it continues banjo. Because so that's my third one. Frio are properly good. My fourth one is North Melbourne are properly shit. Oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, honestly, if this is about explaining to me what happened on the weekend, move on. <laughs> Can I just cre- like how upset are you with North Melbourne at the moment? Like. You did have some, I wouldn't like, you had some high hopes. You expected to get a bit out of this year. You, you came in with a bit of a spring in your step quite. I was expecting probably six to eight, I think, was where I settled on. Mm. You know, everyone gets carried away in a preseason, and I certainly did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's more the, nothing seems better, I guess, is the worry. Like, we haven't really even had many players show many signs of improvement. It's all sort of one step forward for one step back. We're stagnating at the bottom of the ladder. It's, yeah, it's pretty grim. I'm going to be honest with you. The other thing that's really hurt you... sorry, outside of Jason Horn francis because he's awesome. Okay. The the other thing which really hurts you is the fact that what I was talking about earlier, both Hawthorne and Adelaide are exceeding expectations and they're getting everything out of their team. So that leaves you to be the one team who is... Supporters are absolutely shit. miserable yeah. and not seeing any signs. Uh, of... I reckon West Coast might be a bit miserable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> They're in a bit of a different spot, I suppose. But yeah. they were probably, I probably thought, yeah, you, Hawthorne and Adelaide were all at a similar sort of stage and they are yep. getting everything out of their, their mm. list at the moment. It might not last throughout the year. That might change as the season goes on. But uh, you're not very good. And uh, I'm quite enjoying that fact. 
Uh, yeah, honestly, I'll be, we'll, I'll be happy if we equal four and a half wins from last year. Like uh, at that point, yeah, point. you look pretty similar to what you were last year, which isn't great when you're mm-hmm. meant to be improving quite dramatically when you're a young team. Anyway, my last one, Banjo, I'll put a little bit more of a smile on your face now because this one does back up a little bit of what you've been saying. But I did watch the uh, Anzac Day game quite closely. Mm-hmm. And the main thing which I got out of it is that Essendon are a tough one to pick and their midfield is a problem in that they seem to have a lot of talent there, but they're mm. all very same-same. And it's yeah. very hard to pick who is the... What, what, what's the term that is... Who's going to move the needle, I think, is yeah. the term which they use. Who is the one that's going to give them that surge and that spark? Merritt will always get lots of the ball. Parrish will always get lots of the ball. Yeah. But who's going to be the one who's going to lift them on their shoulders? And I, I sent you uh, a question during the game of like, who do you think is their best midfielder? I, I find that a really hard one to to pick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think it's Merritt. I think he gets a lot of the rest of it going better than any of the other midfielders. Mm. I think... He's sort of the central cog and everything looks better with him in there and around him. I think for dynamism and if he was a proper midfielder, it'd clearly be Stringer because what he adds with the clearance work and the breakaway power, they do not have from anybody else at all. Uh, But yeah, like Parrish, Merritt, Caldwell, Shield, McGrath even, they're all the same kind of player. They're... Probably better as the first receiver. They can win a clearance, but they're not. They sort of quickly move the ball on. Death by a thousand cuts midfielders. There's no one bringing... There's no... Oh, there's no Dangerfield. There's no Martin. There's no oh, Petraka. There's just no one who brings any sort of X factor that really can like be a match winner outside a stringer. But he's there 20% of the time. Yeah, well, I think that's what... Essendon supporters would say about it is they'd say what happened last year was obviously consistently throughout the year Merritt and mm. Parrish were, were, were getting things started um, and they would say that Stringer was the change. He was the one that went in there and made that spark and lifted them. I just, you can't rely on Jake Stringer both for injuries and for form and for mm. how fit he's been over his career, all of that sort of stuff. You just, you can't bank on him. It, it got to half time and all of these Essendon midfielders had great numbers. They, they all got involved in the game. But the only player I felt like was giving them a bit of extra spark was McGrath. He's got, he's got speed. He tries to take the game on from time to time. I felt like he had a bigger impact than Parrish did. And Parrish had 30 mm. disposals. Like, if I was, in the first half. In the first half, yeah. And I think, I think McGrath had 16 or something like that. Mm. But I feel like if I was in the coach's box on the opposition, I'd be saying... He's had 30, has he? Has he really hurt us? Like, that's not ideal. But I'm not going to be banging my head against a wall about it. Um, no. And both both Merritt and Parrish, are very, you're a very, very similar players. And if they're the two who are starting in the midfield, you need something really special as that, that third midfielder. And at the mm. moment, no one's quite giving them that. Um, so when it comes down to it, they look a lot better than they are on – they look a lot better on paper than they actually perform. Um, yeah, and especially I think that's when you see reason. the stats. Yeah. Like yeah, Parrish I mean, with 44 touches and 11 clearances, whatever he had, looks like an amazing game from an inside midfielder. Yeah. But your report tells me differently. He, look, he played well. Don't get me wrong. He played mm. well. But at no stage did I think he is going to win Essendon in this game. Um, yeah, it and, sounds yeah. a lot more like Tom Mitchell getting 50. Yeah. Yeah, which you always say, yeah, good on him. But, yeah, is he going to be the difference in the game? So Mm. that's their preeminent problem, isn't it? So uh, they're the main things which I got out of my uh, football-watching experience over the weekend, Banjo. Beautiful. Pretty comprehensive. And uh, if you hadn't have brought up North, I would have been very happy with you. Yeah, there were a few you would have been happy with. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, It's another one of your segments, so I'll (laughs) let you introduce it. Okay. Well, yeah, I've got to introduce this one because during our fantastic uh, commentary career to date, Banjo, mm-hmm. on uh, Hijack TV, we've had a bit of a thing going in which we talk about who we think is the sexiest player of the day. And we're very clear in the fact that we are not talking about physical attractiveness of the player. We're not talking no, about whether we're not we objective are... people. 
Yes, we are not talking about whether we are sexually attracted to them. We are talking no. about the way that they play the game is yes. quite aesthetically pleasing. And as a result, mm. we get a lot of enjoyment and potentially some levels of arousal out of it uh, because of how well they are playing. It's I've like being got... aroused because someone's funny and being attracted to someone because they're funny. It's not about what they look like. It's about who they are as people. Look, it, when it comes down to it, it's it's a hyperbole. We enjoy <laughs> watching them play. We get excited about it. And as a result, we say that it's at the level of, you know, being sexy, being sexually exactly. attracted. Because that's the but, highest level of arousement. Exactly. Let's be <laughs> honest, though. It's not that big a leap from calling, saying someone's got a beautiful kicking action. Like, yeah. I mean, come or on. Cereoli is delicious. I mean, it's not saying he wants to eat. It's, it's less. It's less than that. That was creepy, and honestly, that should have been when Bruce McAvaney retired. But look, I've got some pretty serious feedback on the uh, sexiest player stuff, Andrew. Mm. I think when it comes, I think it might be an age thing because it's my mother who's she's furious. <laughs> she hates it. She's suggesting she's not going to listen to us anymore because she thinks it's the words where she thinks it's disgusting. That we talk about the sexiest players. She, That's she, interesting. She's not impressed. She thinks it's absolutely disgusting that we could be aroused by the way the players play football. And when I try to explain it to her, she says, oh, I'm, I'm very worried about you if that's the way that you're feeling about footballers. <laughs> so obviously, I just continue to just play it up as much as possible, being like, oh, of course, I'm incredibly aroused when Christian oh. Petrarca kicks a goal from 60. But Puts a spring in your step. I think, is it just an us thing, the sexiest player thing? I think there's a little of it out there. I've heard it from others. I, think it's, I think it's mostly us, to be honest. Yeah, I we, don't think I've ever heard anybody else talk really? about I, it. Really? I don't remember inventing it. I, I know we push it hard, but I didn't think I invented it. But I don't know. There are certain players, the way that they move, the way that they they use the ball, mm. I, it, it's sexy. I, I find it sexy. And it's a particular type of play. So... We've done this once before, but it was a long time ago. So I wanted to revisit our top five sexiest players because this can give our many listeners a feel of the sort of players that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, just to get us into the zone of the sort of sexy players we're talking about, I'm going to give you just a short list of who were my honorable mentions that I was considering putting in there. Okay. Uh, Because this just gets us a feel of the sort of players we're talking about. The ones were... Jade Gresham, Brad Hill, Tim Kelly, Connor mm-hmm. Rosie, I think is quite a sexy player. Ooh, David Mundy is sexy. Daniel Rioli, I find quite sexy. And the yep. big controversy, which we always have, is I put Andrew Gaff down there. Yeah, that's just wrong. In that I think, he, I think the way that he moves and the way that he uses the football is quite sexy. I feel like they're the sort of players who uh, I think fit within the sexy category. Yeah, honestly... One of them was on my list, so I agree. Okay. I have a feeling and I know some of them I just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> you start, Banjo. Who's your number five? Number five for me is an absolute homer pick. I'm not going to pretend any other way. It's Taron Thomas. The man <laughs> is beautiful. <laughs> I did. Well, I was, I was looking through like the teams and thinking, oh, who do they have who's sexy? Yeah. And uh, it did come to mind that you will mention Taron Thomas. Oh, he is a beautiful man. <laughs> beautiful footballer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, He's got just a lovely sort of gallop. His kicking action is just so fluid. He's got a sidestep, um, which just looks like sort of slow motion as he sort of dances around people. He could just make people look silly. Oh, I just love that man so much. He's had a rough start to the year having his guts kicked in and bruised kidneys or whatever he had. So uh, hopefully he hits top form because we haven't quite seen it yet. But uh, like he, he kicked a goal from about halfway against West Coast, there was a two-kick goal from the kick-out. So that was, like, that's sexy. He's a great man. Great well, footballer. Very you sexy. obviously severely overrate him, but I will say <laughs> that when we talk about sexy plays, he does fit in that category. The way that he Absolutely. plays, he's, he's got that sexiness. About I like, him. Look how measured I was. I put him at five. Yeah. In my heart, he's number one. <laughs> you, you just wanted to sneak him in there so you could talk about him. I know in how my this heart, he's works. number one. Because I've actually done a similar thing here. This isn't a <laughs> Melbourne player, but it was someone who I wanted to raise, and as a result, I thought I'll tag him in at five. Uh, because he's an up-and-comer in the sexiest player category. I, I think he will be one of the sexiest players in the comp for a long time to come. Nick Dacos. 
has sexiness yeah. to the way that he plays football. He is very skillful and classy, the way that he moves through traffic, the way that he thinks about his play. And then when he can sort of hit a perfectly weighted kick, there, there are serious sexy vibes coming out of that man. He's just a bit too meerkatty for me, just in the way he moves. The way he moves or the way he looks? What do you mean meerkatty? Yeah, he just like... Meerkats all... that climb up trees and stuff. No, they're the ones that pop up from the ground. Meerkats well, do that as well. They burrow. They climb trees, don't they? Don't think I don't so. know. They're what, underground what, what? animals. So is that why you think he's meerkatty? Because he pops out of the ground? No, it's just the way he oh. runs. They've got a very distinct posture. Google a meerkat. <laughs> Well, meerkats are cool animals. I reckon they're quite sexy animals. <laughs> they are not sexy animals. <laughs> yeah, sexy might not be the word, but they're cool animal. But no, there is some definite sexiness about Nick. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, I didn't consider him because he's got the same problem Hugh McCluggage has, which is beautiful player can do all the things a sexy player can, but posture distracts me. So I didn't. I didn't have him. Oh, his posture hasn't stood out to me. But I didn't get any upright. meerkat vibes myself. Who's your number four? Uh, I've gone probably a bit left field, uh, Sydney Swans player, and I don't think it'll be the one you'd guess. Okay. Uh, Justin McInerney. <laughs> well, I could have guessed it because he's in your fantasy team, <laughs> so I could have picked that one. But he's a very fluid mover. He's uh, He's got a lot of similar traits to the next person on my list, actually. Uh, he just... He's a beautiful outside runner. He's quick. He's got a nice boot. He just moves the ball smoothly, which is one thing I find very sexy. Yeah, I've watched enough Sydney games to know that he's good. I don't know if I've watched him closely enough to really feel that mm. strong sense of sexiness. So I'll take your word for that one. I might watch him a bit a bit closer. Or you can trade him to me in fantasy because that way I will watch him very closely, as you know. I so know that, you will, Scott. That's one way for us to, uh, <laughs> to do our research for the podcast. My number four banjo, now this is where I've gone a little bit um, Melbourne-esque. And this one has actually come out of the blue a little bit because I feel like we've had conversations in the past that this player is not a sexy player, but he is. (laughs) Christian Petrarca is a very, very, very sexy footballer. There are moments in a game which, oh, it just just blows my mind. When, When he picks up the ball, spins around, busts out of a pack and bombs it from 60 off a step, that is, watch his first goal. Well, watch both goals in the grand final. They are sexiness personified. He can do sexy things, but I don't think his base form, his base uh, base type of game is sexy. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying about when he like reaches the heights, it can be sexy. When he does like those special things that only he can do, that is very sexy. I won't take anything away from that. I'm not going to disagree with you. But just his normal like his day to day the the 25 touches out of 27 they're not sexy touches. It's not the same. I, I don't I don't think he fits. He doesn't fit my brief for a I, sexy player. I'm looking for consistency. I, not uh, not just flash in the pan. I'm I know what you mean pan. in that the the inside, not the inside, but the, the the big bulls and the people who are more like they use their power more than their their movements. Mm. We don't think of them so much as being the sexy I players. Think but I find Clary sexier. No, see, I would say Clary is not a sexy footballer, but he has sexy traits. The, 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 his hands are, are very sexy. I love his kicking but, action. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't get the same sort of excitement there. Well, I mean, it is good to watch, but I don't get the same <laughs> sexy vibes that I get out of Petrarca. Like, when it comes down to it, it's too regular. Like, it happens multiple times a game. I'm just blown away with the sexiness. Yeah, okay. Thing. So what you're yeah. saying is um, you prefer Petrarca's climax. Yeah, yeah. But he, but he offers it regularly enough that it does mean that he's a sexy player. He doesn't just have sexy moments. He is a sexy player. You are just not selling my puns at all <laughs> at the moment. Well, I agree with them all. All of innuendo. I agree <laughs> with them all. That, that, that is how I feel when I watch Christian Petrarca <laughs> play, Matt. You cannot tell me that you watch that anyone could watch any of his, either of his goals in the grand final and not have a climax. Ben. I can't imagine the noises you'd make when stuff like that happens. And exactly. I don't want to. Number three, Banjo. I have gone with Jordan Dawson. 
Mm. So, as I said, very similar traits yeah. in a lot of ways to uh, McInerney. Smooth moving, halfback wingman, except he adds a bit of intercept marking, which I find quite sexy when someone's just sort of floats across the pack. I quite like that. I just, in all honesty, the biggest thing he's done this year was the goal after the signing against Port, which probably is least sexy moment. Cause, uh, yeah, he didn't hear that. That was a weird well. kick. <laughs> But I just love him. He's such a smooth... When he kicks the ball 60 metres down the line and hits the target, that's sexy. I don't know. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a great kick. He's a sexy kick. I'll give you that. I, I don't really get the, the smooth moving vibes out of him. He's not. He, he doesn't seem to fit in my category of sexy players, I don't think. I, Interesting. I I'm think the three I've done so far are all very similar in terms of movement. I don't really and, get that out of Dawson. I don't know. Interesting. I've never really thought of him as being in that category. Anyway, so my, my top three, are they're a bit more obvious, and I think they did uh, feature the last time we did this, but nothing has changed. <laughs> Number three is Marcus Bontempelli. Um, I think Fair he's an enough. incredible sexy player. The way that he moves through traffic and the way the time slows down for him is incredibly exciting to watch. Who's your three? Yeah, honestly, I just, well, it was Jordan Dawson. I went first, Scott. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just forgot about Bontebelli, so he's not on my list. Yep. So uh, apologies, because you're right. He's definitely in the top five sexiest players. Number two, very obvious, Josh Kelly. Don't really need yeah. to say anything more about it. I've said it about a thousand times. We yeah. can move on. Yeah, he's a sexy footballer. I didn't have him on my list because I knew you would, and I don't like patting you on the back. <laughs> number two is the great man himself. He's still there. I'm not taking him out. Robbie Gray is at number two. He has been one of the sexiest players I've ever seen play the game. I know he's dropped off a little bit. Um, he's but in the Hall of Fame of sexy, definitely. Yeah, he he does Harlem Globetrotter stuff from time to time yeah. with the way that he um, controls the football and puts on a sidestep or his stoppage work. Obviously, we don't see that as much anymore. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, I, I can't take him out of the list. I, I just find him so, so good to watch. Yeah, that feels like a sort of honorary all-star yeah. nomination. Yeah. Well, and anything, because he barely plays football at the moment, unfortunately. He's <laughs> quite injury-prone. Yeah, I, I, and, uh, I know, I know, but he's yeah. still there. It sucks to watch, but he, yeah, you're right. He's he's probably, I'd almost say he's the sexiest player of all time from our or He's up there. Of our time, anyway. I think I've previously said I reckon Andrew McLeod's my number one from the ones that I've watched, but mm. Robbie Gray's in that. He'd be in a top five all time for me. Yeah. Don't remember uh, Don't remember McLeod enough to... I watched him closely. <laughs> number one for you. Number one for you. He was in your honourable mentions, which uh, tells me that you were wrong in your honourable mentions. It's Jade Gresham, yeah. my boy. <laughs> I <I'm, I'm> uh, <laughs> Oh, I've fallen back in love. He's had a couple of rough years uh, not being able to play with injuries, but it's great to see him back in top form. This is a career best year from him, and boy, is he a joy to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously not going to dispute that very strongly because he wasn't my <laughs> honourable mentions. Uh, yeah, he, he's terrific to watch, and he's kicked a few pretty sexy goals this year as well. Uh, and I've got another old-timer. Um, at number one in that I think he's going to be here until he retires Scott Pendlebury is has oh, been yeah. my favorite player to watch throughout the course of his career um, he's what I said about Bontempelli is Scott Pendlebury personified yeah. um, and he has done that throughout his career and I just I have so many moments watching Collingwood games where I just think oh my god like wow like what, what did he just do I, I, yeah. I find him incredible to watch Pendlebury is the prototype for what Bontempelli's doing like, yes yeah. Bond and Belly is the sort of second generation of it because all that time standing still stuff is straight out of the Pendlebury playbook. He probably watched it a lot growing up and honestly would have yeah. been imitating it. It is, I think Pendlebury is almost unique um, or was a unique player when he first yeah. came into the game. Yeah. I don't think yeah. many other players in the league history would have been doing what he was doing in yeah. terms of playing with sort of, He's kind of ethereal the way he plays. Yeah, he's he, just so he, calm and just nothing. He's unflustered. He he defies logic. He's not he's not quick. He doesn't have a great sort of turn of speed or anything like that. He's not particularly mm. strong, but no one can tackle him. Like yeah. he just he just seems to have this ability to just make the most of every bit of space that is around him. It's it, it almost it doesn't really make any sense, but he's just I think it it smarts as much as anything. But yeah, he just he moves so well. So he's my number one. And Banjo, we've got to the exciting part of the podcast in which you're bringing something to the table. You've got a 
a segment that you you thought of. Isn't that exciting? This is incredible. Uh, and when we say segment, uh, we mean off the cuff thought I had <laughs> <laughs> that you felt like discussing. <laughs> you banned me talking about a priority pick discussion for North Melbourne, which I'm ready yeah. to go at the drop of a hat because we absolutely deserve. The Gold Coast package, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, but what we're going with this segment, I'm going to call it Bigger Gap because that's what we're talking about. The Bigger Gap. What's <laughs> Who's closer? Great segment title. <laughs> <laughs> is Melbourne closer to second than North Melbourne is to 17th? That's the gist <laughs> of the segment. I've absolutely butchered that, but who cares? We're moving forward. We're going to act like that made sense. I will say the problem with the segment is that, like, both are victories for me and losses <laughs> for you. So we normally love having an argument. But to be honest with you, like, I'm just feeling great that this is even a question. Yeah. Like, honestly, let's just take let's just take a step back, Banjo, and just think about what we, what what a point in time we are currently going through, and that we legitimately got to a point in that right now. Melbourne are comfortably the best team in the comp and North are comfortably the worst. Like, how amazing is that? Like, oh, mm. I just never thought this is just the dream. Like, so good. Honestly, I kind of feel like I am in hell. Like, I died a couple of years ago and it, I did something awful in my <laughs> life and this is what has happened. I it's just terrible. I look to answer the question properly. I've had a good think about it. I think that you are more clearly the worst team than Melbourne are clearly the best team. Oh, well, we've got an argument then. The reason being that I think I know who the second best team is. I'm pretty comfortable with that. I don't know who the second oh, worst yes. team is. Yes. Yes, you do. I don't. What are you... West Coast. Ah. West Coast are awful regardless. But could they come good as the season goes no, on? No, they're so old. No? They, no. I wouldn't they're, rule it out. They are terrible. They, they've they gotten worse since they got their their players back. Like, they, they are awful. They have no midfield because Yo and Shui are cooked. Yo's out again this week. They have, like, two good defenders. Barras has missed a lot of the year as well. And their forward line, yeah, they've got a few players, but they've just... They just... They've got a lot of people... A lot of people are names more than they are footballers at this point. They are living off the glory of... Uh, four years ago now was that premiership, and they haven't regenerated the list at all. And they've just gotten old, slow, and yeah, they're... They're playing a different game to everybody else. I, I like. I, I know. I know everything that you're saying, but I, I don't think it takes too many of their footballers to get semi close to what their best was. They only need a few of them to do all right, and all of a sudden, I think I reckon they can compete against you know the. Essendon's and the Adelaide's and the Port Adelaide's, the way they're playing mm. and the Gold Coast of the world. Like, I don't think they're that far off it. I cannot picture you doing that. Like, I just, I, I think you were just so far back behind that. And then I think there's a bit of an argument in that there's a few who seem to be. Let's look, let, let's look at the ladder. You are a game and 9% yeah. ahead of second. Yeah. We are 0.6% behind 17th. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't think that's real. I think with what they have gone through is I think that is an artificial percentage for West Coast. And I think it will get better as the season goes on, or at least could. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose then you look at 12% is the difference to, to Essendon and your same amount of losses. So, yeah. What, yeah, what, what, what was your... God, there's five teams who've won one game, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, look, what was your? Uh, I mean, yeah, but your game, your win was artificial as well. You played against the Waffle team, like yeah. So I don't know. Look, it is a, it is an interesting discussion. Now, what was your primary reason for saying that there's a bigger gap between first and second going to be? Because you said you were going down that path. Yeah, so I think you're clearly the best side. And I, the daylight Jared Healy joke is unnervingly close to the truth mm -hmm. and 
Honestly, it's, it's more about West Coast than anything else. I just think West Coast are almost as bad as we are. Okay. That's it. it. Comes- and, I, and I don't think, I think you're a genuinely like top line team at the moment, like going back, benchmarking yourself against other years and everything. I don't think anybody, I don't think Frio live up to that. I don't think Brisbane do. Brisbane could, but I don't think they do currently. Sydney, yeah. Same, I don't think they quite live up to it. I just don't think, with the Bulldogs playing as poorly as they are and kind of looking like they've got a real hangover from last year and maybe have some scars from how badly they lost the grand final, I just don't think there's another team with a ceiling anywhere near yours. So I think that's yeah. the biggest difference. I suppose the other way of looking at the question would be Melbourne versus Brisbane. How much chance would you give Brisbane a beating Melbourne? Mm. And then you look at North Melbourne versus... West Coast, what chance would you give North Melbourne of beating West Coast? I know that you have, but yeah, honestly, even with their artificial. full team, I'd say still say it's closer to a top, way closer to a toss of the coin than what the Melbourne Brisbane game is. Yeah, I mean, we beat them last year with a full team. So. Yeah, yeah, all right, we're we're awesome. We're so far the best team. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, what I will make clear is like. Yes, I do think Melbourne are the best team in the competition. I think that's unavoidable. I do want to make clear that that does not necessarily mean we are going to win the premiership. We've seen this. Oh, far if you times. don't win the premiership, it's a it is a Geelong two thousand eight situation. You just cut out then, Banjo. What did you say? If you don't win the flag, it's a Geelong two thousand and eight situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but we've seen that. Also, Richmond a few years ago losing in the prelim. They were the best team by so far that year. Yeah, it but funny. it'll be worse. It'll be worse. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever. We've already won a flag, so, you know, life's good regardless. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, look, we're, we're a good side. We're not necessarily going to win it. It all comes down to just finishing top four and then just getting form and injuries and all of that together at the right time. And if that happens, you can win a flag. So there's a long way to go for that. At the moment, I'm enjoying just being able to be in a relaxed state of arrogance. Eventually, that will become nerves as the season goes on, but I'm enjoying the reality. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to call it. That's enough pumping your tires. You don't need it. Your head's about to burst. We'll be back. Mark, that was your idea, that segment. <laughs> No one's ever said I'm a smart man. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to be uh, commentating the Sydney-Brisbane game. We're confirming mm. that? Yes, Twilight Sunday, yes. Beautiful. Good so, game. Twilight's it will be a good game. It is the only one we can do, but it is going to be a good game. So yes. So, that's a, better than what was the Fremantle St. Kilda game, which was a bit of a train wreck. Yeah, yeah we, we, we did it. We, on the Sunday we also night. did this is a good one. GWS Gold Coast was a stinker as well. <laughs> that was the worst one, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we'll be commentating that game and we'll be back next week with another podcast. Thank Chat you for listening. Then, Banjo. Chat then.